This episode is brought to you by Seed. Did you know that supporting your health can be as easy as taking two capsules a day? Each daily dose of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is formulated with 24 scientifically studied probiotic strains that support gut, skin, and heart health, helping you start the new year off right. Visit seed.com slash Spotify and use code SPOTIFY25 to get 25% off your first month. Liz Wheeler Show, episode 427, take one. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? This question, you probably saw this, was trending all over TikTok and Instagram Reels this weekend. Funny trend. I didn't know what it was about at first. Let me show you what this trend looked like. Let's take a look at it. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? How often do I think about it? Yeah. I don't know. It's technically like every day. (laughs) Do you think about the Roman Empire ever? Yeah, I guess. Sometimes. How often? I don't know. Once a week. How do you not think about the Roman Empire? (laughs) How many times, like a week, or just how many times in general, do you think about the Roman Empire? What about the Roman Empire? Just anything about it. Probably not a lot, why? Not a lot? When was the last time you thought about it? Maybe a week or two ago? (laughs) The Roman Empire was a very big part in history. So how often do you think about it? Not a lot. How often? Once every month? Uh, Maybe three or four times a month. (laughs) You think about the Roman Empire (laughs) once a week? It has a lot of big, like, stories and lessons, like, within the Roman Empire of what to do and what not to do, so yeah. So you think about the Roman Empire once a week? Sometimes, yeah. or is that amazing? I asked my husband and I didn't tell him about the trend first. I just dropped it on him. He, he was walking down the stairs. Uh, he was actually about to, we're about to go to church. I just got my daughter ready for church. And I was like, hey, how often do you think about the Roman empire? He didn't even stop walking after he came down the stairs. And he was just like, oh, at least once a week. And I'm like, what? What do you think about when you think about the Roman empire? And the conversation got cut off there because we we're in a hurry to get out for church. But It's fascinating to me that this seems to be a very specific difference between men and women. Even women who, like I work in politics, I think about the American empire and worry that we are on the same track as the Roman empire. And perhaps I think about the Roman empire in that context, the political social context, but I don't think about it on a daily basis or a weekly basis or a monthly basis. I would say it's very specific to I don't know, a project or research if I'm thinking about it, but men, apparently, this is part of their interior lives. They think about it when they look at roads. They think about it when they look, apparently they think about aqueducts all the time. Go on rumble.com slash Liz Wheeler and tell me if you think about the Roman Empire and if so, how often? And if, if you do think about this on a regular basis, what do you think about? In what context? Why are you thinking about the Roman Empire? Rumble.com slash Liz Wheeler. Drop it in the comments. We had an exciting weekend around my house this weekend. As you guys know, we got chickens a few months ago. We have seven barred rock chickens. They've reached their laying phase. So we're getting mostly like five, six, seven eggs a day right now. Too many to keep up. But that's not the exciting part. A rooster infiltrated our chicken coop. We don't have a rooster. It infiltrated our chicken coop. We have no idea where it came from. None of our neighbors have 
chickens. None of them have a rooster. It just showed up Saturday morning, nosing around the chicken coop, like this big red rooster just strutting around, making the hens go crazy. And we thought we chased it away. Cause you know, I mean, I, I was like, okay, we can keep it. Like you can still eat eggs. Like even if there's a rooster around, right? But no, we didn't want to keep it because it's not ours. But uh, my husband left the chicken coop open because we free range our chickens often. And while the hens were out, whatever, pecking, eating, whatever they do, the rooster went into the chicken coop and waited for them in there. So a really exciting day trying to get rid of the rooster that had infiltrated our property. Just, you know, another, another day in the life. Of, it's not, I wouldn't exactly call where we live homesteading, but a pseudo homestead. Um, on Friday afternoon, there was a big hullabaloo because Dove, like the soap brand, hired a woman by the name of Ziana Bryant as one of their brand ambassadors. She's not officially a spokeswoman, but they hired her in the same capacity that Bud Light hired Dylan Mulvaney to be like an online influencer. Once you promote Dove, you get a stipend for it. And this woman, Ziana Bryant, is a Black Lives Matter activist. And people on the internet were very quick to point out the fact that Ziana Bryant a couple of years ago, had made a false accusation against a young white woman, accusing her of being horribly racist. This is in the midst of all the Black Lives Matter riots. And this, this woman, this white woman that was falsely accused, her life was ruined. She had to move. She, was, she faced threats from Black Lives Matter um, agitators and activists. Her job prospects were ruined. And Ziana Bryant later admitted that she had, quote unquote, misheard the racist statement that she had accused this white woman of making. And so essentially she lied and ruined this woman's life, accusing her of being racist just because she had white skin, which is racism in and of itself. Dove hired her anyway to not only be a brand ambassador, but to advance what they call size freedom. This is the woman. My belief is that we should be centering the voices and experiences of the most marginalized people and communities at all times. So when I think about what fat liberation looks like to me, it looks like centering the voices and the experiences of those who live in and who maneuver through spaces and institutions in a fat body. It looks like making accessible spaces and having conversations that are aware of the fact that people have different bodies and that they are interacting with space and people and institutions and communities in a different way. Fat liberation looks like fully embracing those differences and having those conversations instead of shying away from them. To learn more about fat liberation and the campaign for size freedom that Dove is supporting, visit dove.com forward slash size freedom. Tap in, join the campaign, support the campaign. This is important and we should all be talking about it. Okay, so this is obviously absurd. We're going to talk about fat liberation in just a second, but a lot of people were talking about how awful it was that this woman ruined this white girl's life with a false accusation, and that's all true. But I fell down a rabbit hole looking into this because I just had a suspicion based on the way that Ziana Bryant spoke, the fact that she used the word fat liberation, not just fat acceptance. I had a suspicion that there was something else to this story. So I did a little digging and I found several very interesting very troubling things about not only this woman and what she stands for, but about Dove and their parent company and what their parent company stands for. 
Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. So this is the this is the report from the Daily Mail about what Zayana Bryant did to the white woman. We'll start there because we want to establish first that even the other things that I found out about this situation, notwithstanding, this is a bad person and Dove should not be doing business with her. In fact, it almost rises to the level of what Bud Light did with Dylan Mulvaney, right? Dylan Mulvaney embraces fear theory as a lifestyle in his transgender identity. Zayana Bryant embraces probably critical race theory, but one step worse it, as her lifestyle as well, as being a quote-unquote fat activist. And Dove is promoting this. This is not something we should promote, but this is what the Daily Mail reported about her actions several years ago. Bryant, age 22, claimed that she had overheard a white student named Morgan Bettinger threaten Black Lives Matter protesters in Charlottesville in July of 2020 after she used the phrase speed bumps while describing the protest that she saw. But Bryant later admitted she may have misheard after gleefully watching and joining in as Bettinger was canceled and her life was destroyed. Bettinger, the white student, was subjected to a torrent of abuse and a campaign to remove her from the University of Virginia. Staff and students ganged up against her and scuppered her future prospects. And then what happened later is Bryant admitted that she misheard. In fact, Bettinger was advocating for the Black Lives Matter protesters, saying it's a good thing the police showed up or else they might have been turned into speed bumps. So she was thanking police for saving the protesters. But because she was white, this woman, this Black Lives Matter activist, Zayana Bryant, assumed that she was such a racist that she would want to kill Black people. That's evil. That is so evil to callously ruin someone's life based on your own racism. I mean, Zayana Bryant was racist to assume that because Morgan Benninger was white, that she was racist. But it goes deeper than this. It goes deeper than this. This is something that I've been talking about for the last few months. I've been warning that this would be the next front. We had the assault on reality that came in the form of critical race theory, telling us that white people were racist just because they're white, even if they don't feel racist thoughts towards people of other races. They're entire experience is built on institutions of white supremacy, so they enjoy white privilege, which is a form of oppression against black people. This is an assault on reality. That's not true. It's not real. Then we had queer theory, which is the transgender ideology. This is perhaps even a more obvious assault on reality. Men cannot be women. Women cannot be men. It doesn't matter how you chop up and mutilate your body or what kind of pharmaceuticals you take. You can't change who you were made to be. And I've been warning that the next iteration of the assault on reality is fat activism. It's why I've commented on so many of Lizzo's videos, despite the fact that Lizzo's fans come after me and claim that I'm 
fat phobic and bullying and mean. It's none of that. It's none of that. It's simply fact. I mean, obesity is dangerous for one thing. So it's a lie to be telling people that you can be, that you can be healthy at every size. That's not true. That's not reality. You're not healthy if you're morbidly obese. There's a reason actually, and you, I want you to stop and think about this. Think about the people that you know in your own life. Think about, about the people you go to school with. Think about the people you work with. Think about if you ride the bus or the train. Think about people that you see. Do you ever see morbidly obese old people? You don't. You never see extremely fat old people. And the reason for that is because they die young because of their obesity. Because obesity is one of the driving factors behind heart disease, stroke, diabetes, some types of cancer. And it causes, it causes you to lose years of life. You will die young. In fact, according to the NIH, a body mass index of 18 and a half to 24.9, that represents a healthy weight. Um, an individual with extreme obesity has a BMI of 40 or more. That's about 100 pounds over his ideal body weight. And according to the NIH, Dr. Kitahara and her colleagues made the stunning discovery that extreme obesity can shorten lifespan by up to 14 years. 14 years. And this all, and it almost reminds me when these, when these fat activists like Lizzo saying, oh, I'm the new beauty standard or, you know, fat is beautiful, blah, blah, blah. It almost reminds me of what Andrew Tate does when he offers young men a self-destructive message, leading men down the path to self-destruction. That's what these fat activists are doing. They're leading people down the path to self-destruction. Because if you're encouraging someone to be fat and you're telling them, you're healthy, you're beautiful, this is fine, this is normal, this is how you were made, this is what you were intended to be, you are actively giving them advice that could lessen their lifespan by 14 years. That's a jaw-dropping number to me. A jaw-dropping number. So we've established that this individual, Zayana Bryant, is a bad person. Dove never should have hired her. I wouldn't blame conservatives if they felt that they wanted to bud light Dove because it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of the same thing. And you'll understand even more how this came to be when I show you the following videos. So Dove, the brand Dove, I mean, they have, their soap is terrible. You guys know this. Their owned, their parent company is Unilever. Unilever has a CEO named Alan Jope who is a power player on the global stage. And when I say a power player on the global stage, you'll recognize him because about a year ago, in September of 2022, we showed a video of Alan Jope on this show. He was on stage at the Clinton Global Initiative. Yes, the Bill and Hillary Clinton Global Initiative. He was on stage with Bill Clinton, with a member of the United Nations ESG team. And he was talking about his company going woke. And he was talking about those of us who protest against corporations going woke. And he called us, this is Element Tubi, I wanna show people this video. He called anti-woke backlash dangerous. Let's take a look at this. Unilever fits into what Larry just said. You know, not every company lends itself as easily as some do. To this is Bill Clinton speaking, obviously, leading into the question. production and distribution, but what do you want to say about that to other countries, uh, companies in other countries? Um, you know, in 1939, George Orwell wrote that we have sunk to such depths that stating the obvious is the first responsibility of every person. And he was talking about a book on power um, written by Bertrand Russell, but it applies to today. 
because stating the obvious that we have an emergency, we have a climate emergency, is becoming an unpopular thing to do. This anti-sustainability backlash, this anti-woke backlash, um, is incredibly dangerous for the world. And the first thing that Unilever will do is we will not back down on this agenda, despite these populist accusations. So we're dangerous, according to the CEO of Unilever, the parent company of Dove, who hired Zayana Bryant, a Black Lives Matter activist who ruined the life of a white girl. They hired her to promote fat liberation. So you see that this now is coming from the top down. In fact, Alan Jope is, he admitted that the reason that Unilever has embraced a woke agenda is due to the pursuit of an ESG score. This is not going to surprise those of us who paid attention. ESG scores, environmental, social, and governance metrics are essentially a social credit score system for corporations to make sure that they are using the power of their business to push wokeness on their employees and on their consumers. Yet Alan Jope admitted something that, again, maybe this won't surprise you, but it's striking to hear from his own mouth. He admitted that the reason Unilever embraced ESG is because BlackRock, one of their biggest shareholders, pressured them into pressured them into it. Take a look at this. This is 2C. Second thing I would say is there are many commitments out there, but not very many plans. And uh, uh, we were the first company in the world to voluntarily put our decarbonization plan to a shareholder vote. We were a bit worried about it. Uh, some of our board thought that we were going too far. Some th thought we might not be going far enough. And it squeaked through with 99.6% shareholder support. Um, led, may I say, by BlackRock, who are, in my opinion, one of the finest commentators on sustainability and what companies should be doing. Led by BlackRock. So BlackRock bullied them into accepting ESG. They're... they're Sustainability plan, this, this word sustainability is a buzzword. Every time we hear that, we understand that they're talking about a radical climate alarmist agenda pushing socialism on us in the name of climate change. Their climate transition action plan they announced in March of 2021, uh, the goal of it is to reduce greenhouse, greenhouse gas emissions within the company to zero by the year 2030 and across its value chain to net zero by 2039. So think about this, this huge international corporation Unilever, it's the parent company, not only of Dove, but of many others, are going to force everybody along their value chain, which is just a fancy word for a supply chain, to adhere to the ESG standards that they want, these woke standards. Otherwise, Unilever is not going to do business even outside of their own company with smaller companies along the supply chain. So it's not just a matter of this corporation and its reach. It means anybody along this chain, the supply chain, this value chain, is going to be forced to comply with wokeness or else they're going to lose business that might be the basis of their livelihood. And Alan Jope admitted on this stage that he thinks ESG not only should be standardized, he thinks it should be mandatory. Take a listen to this one. This is 2D, Rebecca. You know, we're talking about standards, metrics, indices. Uh, I want to address Elon Musk's tweet, and Brian, I'm going to get you to comment on that. Uh, you know, Musk tweeting that ExxonMobil finds itself at the top of an ESG ranking and Tesla doesn't belong there. Uh, what's wrong with the world? Thank you. Um, 
You know, there are about 15 different credible ranking systems of companies right now. And, of course, we've looked at how Unilever stacks up on, uh, on all of them. And on average, we do quite well, but there are a couple where we don't do very well at all. Um, and this is exactly the point of this conversation. You shouldn't be able to pick and choose the index that you, uh, that you demonstrate your credentials against. And so um, I think Elon can relax because there's plenty of other uh, rating systems out there where I'm sure Tesla will come out absolutely top of the pack. Um, and the real point is we shouldn't pick and choose rating systems. There should be a common standard uh, that we can all use as uh, asset owners, asset managers and companies. And that's exactly the work that uh, Emmanuel is leading. And, and I think it's an important piece of work. We'll have to check if he tweets back to you. And by the way, by the way, this video that I showed you, this is not from the Clinton Global Initiative, this last one. This was from the World Economic Forum. So the CEO of Unilever is not only buddy-buddy with Bill and Hillary Clinton at the Clinton Global Initiative, he's buddy-buddy with Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum, talking about how we are dangerous if we engage in any anti-woke backlash and how every company should be forced to adhere to a set of standardized ESG metrics. So it, it, it seems a little less surprising then when we think of this radical Black Lives Matter activist who ruined some young woman's life simply because she's white and Dove hires her as an ambassador. Well, this is, Dove is, is under the umbrella of Unilever. It's, it's part of the, the portfolio of companies that Unilever controls. This is who they are. So should we boycott this? It's a valid question conservatives should ask. And then it gets much worse. It gets much, much worse. What is fat liberation. What does this phrase actually mean? Well, I dug into this because I suspected, like critical race theory, like the transgender ideology and queer theory, I suspected there might be a more cohesive agenda that underpinned this phrase, fat liberation. I want to share with you what I found. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. As the nation gears up for another election season, tune to the first TV for the best coverage on television. Get an exclusive inside look at the American political machine with Sean Spicer at 7. Unmatched analysis and historical perspective from Bill O'Reilly at 8. Then a bold, unapologetic take from Jesse Kelly at 9. It's must-see TV in primetime every night on The First TV. Watch The First on DirecTV Channel 347, Uverse Channel 1220, or DirecTV Stream. So I dug into the fat liberation movement, this fat acceptance movement, this health at every size movement that we've seen. I think we've heard about this increasingly in the last year or two. It's kind of a trend, especially online, for some obese people, not everyone, obviously, but I would say um, fat activists, if you will. It's a little hard for me to say that, Siri, say that without um, laughing. But it's become somewhat of a trend for obese activists to try to find doctors who are what they call health at every size, who will not mention their weight as being a risk factor, as being something that's um, unhealthy, that's being something that will lead to really serious health outcomes, even death, maybe even 14 years before you were supposed to die. And we all have kind of looked at this, or at least I've looked at this, like, huh, I wonder if this is gonna catch on because it's so ridiculous, it's so absurd that you would think it would just be rejected outright by society. But then of course we look at our society now and there are, 
too many people in our country who believe that a boy can be a girl if he wants to be, maybe this will catch on too. So what I did is I dug into the fat liberation movement. What I found is this is a movement that began in the 1960s, as so many of the lovely social things that we're reaping right now did. Um, And it grew. By the 1970s, there was an organization called the Fat Underground. It was founded by two women, Sarah Fishman and Judy Freespirit, who were radical feminists, and at least one of them was also a lesbian. And these two women wrote the Fat Liberation Manifesto in 1979. You can see what I spend my weekends on, reading a Fat Liberation Manifesto. You guys are welcome. And I'd like to read to you a couple of select quotes from this because it tells us exactly what we need to know about the fat liberation movement and the fat acceptance movement. It's not just about not bullying people for their weight. It's not just about looking at everyone and seeing a fellow child of God. It's not about any of that. We're all on board with that. I am not I am not a supporter of being mean to someone based on what they look like. I think everyone's made in the image and likeness of God, but that is not what the fat liberation movement is all about. And I want you to hear it in, in their own words. This is what they write. This is in the Fat Liberation Manifesto. We believe that fat people are fully entitled to human respect and recognition. We are angry at the mistreatment by commercial and sexist interests. These have exploited our bodies as objects of ridicule, thereby creating an immensely profitable market, selling the false promise of avoidance of or relief from that ridicule. We see our struggle as allied with the struggle of other oppressed groups against classism, racism, sexism, ageism, capitalism, imperialism, and the like. This is in the Fat Liberation Manifesto. So all of a sudden, I read this and I say, oh, okay, okay. So this is an anti-capitalist Marxist ideology that looks to play on the probably real grievances of people who are overweight in this country. I think the rate of obesity in America is 40% of Americans are obese. And it is true that people are made fun of for their weight. That's true. That's probably always been true. It probably will always be true. But this is what the Marxists do so well, is they find a group of people who perhaps have some legitimate grievance, and they, they stir up that grievance and paint this demographic of people, whether it's Black people, whether it's gay people, whether it's fat people, apparently. They tell them that they're not just... Um, the victims of some ridicule or some teasing. They tell them that they are actually oppressed. And then they say, as a solution, the only way for you not to be subject to this ridicule and this oppression is for you to throw off capitalism, for you to embrace Marxism. Every single time, the playbook is exactly the same. So they actually allude to Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto in the Fat Liberation Manifesto. They say, we refuse to be subjugated to the interests of our enemies. We fully intend to reclaim power over our bodies and our lives. We commit ourselves to pursue these goals together. And they name as the enemy diet culture because they say diet culture is, uh, it's capitalism. That's what they're talking about. The market of, of selling weight loss programs, weight loss pills, whatever it might be. They say that capitalism is, is is the evil factor in diet culture and that they are going to reclaim their bodies and um, fight back against the oppression that capitalism has imposed upon them. So this is exactly, this is how Sarah Fishman, one of the authors of the Fat Liberation Manifesto, this is how she wrote it. She said, we, the fat underground, accused them, doctors, psychologists, and public health officials of concealing and distorting the facts about fat that were contained in their own professional research journals. In doing so, they betrayed us 
and played into the hands of the multi-billion dollar weight loss industry, which exploits fear of fat and contempt towards fat people as a means to make more money. So suddenly they've, they, this, this fat liberation movement has made fat people their next vanguard. They want fat people to overthrow the ruling class, the capitalists. First we had the workers wouldn't do it, black people wouldn't do it, queer people wouldn't do it, maybe fat people will do it, the Marxists are thinking. So then, I want to read you a quote from another activist named Dariana Guerrero. I'm going to read that to you in just a second because she's even more honest. America is on trial. Join me, Josh Hammer, as we examine the presidential election through the only lens that truly matters, the legal proceedings of Donald Trump and the Biden crime family. This new daily podcast examines breaking news and analyzes the biggest questions facing the country. Can the former president, Donald Trump, get a fair trial? Can Trump be disqualified from the ballot? Can Joe Biden pardon his son, Hunter? Can Trump even pardon himself? We cover all the action every morning. Listen to America on Trial, wherever you download your favorite podcasts. So I have two quotes from two fat liberation activists that just continue to demonstrate what the fat liberation movement actually is. It's, it's, it's a, an effort by the Marxists to turn fat people into the vanguards for an anti-capitalist Marxist revolution. It's the same thing that we see critical race theory and with trans theory. It's just this time they're trying to use fat people as the vanguard. So Virgie Tovar, who wrote the book, You Have the Right to Remain Fat, this is, uh, this is the quote. Fat phobia is a form of bigotry that positions fat people as inferior and as objects of hatred and derision. Fat phobia targets and scapegoats fat people, but it ends up harming all people. So fat phobia uses the treatment of fat people as a means of controlling the body size of all people. People learn to fear becoming fat. They are afraid of discrimination and hatred. We learn these th things through ongoing cultural education. So it's setting it up for, oh, fat people are oppressed by what? By some institutions. Well, if an institution's oppressing them, we should tear it down. This is what fat activist Dariana Guerrera says about, about this quote, actually, of uh, Virgie Tovar's. She says, I do find optimism in Tovar's words because while we can learn hatred and bigotry, we can also unlearn it. First, we need to understand where these messages come from. More often than not, oppressive frameworks we've learned result from capitalist, white supremacist, and patriarchal ideas that we have inherited from people before us. When we understand the oppression axis we exist in, we can then unlearn it. We can counter those oppressive ideologies by learning more about ourselves and the world concerning theories and frameworks that exist to dismantle those forces. Take critical race theory, she says. Intersectional feminist theory, queer theory, and Marxism as antithetical lenses to the oppressive ones we have learned. All we need to do is switch out our proverbial lenses and grab a new pair of glasses. We can entirely reinvent and re-see the world. This, my friends, is what, quote unquote, fat liberation, fat acceptance, health at every size, fat phobia. Every time you hear one of those words, this is what they're talking about. It is an effort to destroy objective reality, to tell us that we shouldn't believe what our own eyes are seeing, what we know our common sense tells us, that nobody's born to be fat, no one's created fat. It's a result of, well, big food and big pharma, bad dietary choices, gluttony. I know some people have trauma that leads to this. I'm not shaming people for being fat. I'm just saying, we know that being obese is a serious health risk. In fact, the estimated annual medical cost of obesity in the United States is $173 billion. And yet, you don't hear these fat activists who claim that 
the diet culture has commodified fat bodies. You don't hear them talking about how the medical industry has commodified fat bodies, do you? Because the reason why is because that's not convenient to their political cause. Their political cause is to turn fat people into the oppressed and have the oppressed fat people, 40% of the United States, overthrow the institutions that are oppressing them, those institutions being capitalism. Of course, it's being capitalism. So all of this, all of these roads lead back to Dove. Dove hiring Zihana Bryant to be their ambassador. They're embracing a fat liberation awareness movement. Why? Because the parent company of Dove, Unilever, is in bed with these type of neo-Marxists, in bed with ESG ratings, in bed with the Clinton Global Initiative and the World Economic Forum. And it's just finally trickled down and made it into our Instagram feeds and on our Twitter pages. We're finally seeing this from the mouth of the Black Lives Matter activist who ruined the life of a white woman because the woman was white. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. Make sure you're subscribed at rumble.com slash Liz Wheeler. Hit that bell so I can notify you every time we have new content for you. Um, I'm Liz Wheeler and this is The Liz Wheeler Show.